Beautiful listeners, you know we love you, and we appreciate all the support you've given us to this point. If you would like to further support us in our art, in our effort to allow these wonderful conversations to continue to take place, head over to patreon.com slash inside the sound. Well, hey there, folks. Welcome back inside the sound. We've got MJ and Ryan here. How, How are you, brother? It's great, right? Today's been a great day. That's an understatement. It's been a fantastic day for me. So We've, you were. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time so you were now. Talk about. Uh, behind the lines, a song that we did, but you're telling me that there's an inside the lines. And I, 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 this is something I didn't know about, apparently. I don't know if you remembered it because I sent you, I thought I had sent you the whole album, but one of the things I'd always planned on doing was making behind the lines a longer song. <laughs> oh, like secret, secret track or something like that? Yeah, but I just, I put it at the front of the album. So at the front of the EP, there's this, uh, well, we called it Untitled, and it was just instrumental. I thought I was going to write words for it, but now I, I went back and re- after our last conversation on the podcast, I went and listened to this whole EP that we had started in 20, whatever, 2011, 2012. And I actually, I really liked the, you know, you had always wanted to do an instrumental song anyway, and we could probably go back and re-record it um, with, a, with a more pro- prominent lead featured throughout. But just the way it's written already, I just dig it as an instrumental song without words, you know? Um, and so uh, I got a little lost on, on talking about this entitled instrumental song. That came first, and then this Behind the Lines one came, right? The one we've been talking about. And then um, I already sort of intended on Behind the Lines being longer, and the only way I could really do that and still get the vision I want. I basically just cut it up into two little, like I took the same main riff from behind the lines and I turned it into this other one here inside the lines. Cause the name of this little EP was going to be inside the sound. Remember named after the title song. Can you hear me? I can now. Okay. Yeah. What happened? Old Brock, uh, is outside uh, making his own music. <laughs> They'll do that, won't they? The sweet so animals. Find a more quiet space. Well, anyway, um, let's pick up with this inside the lines because I want to show it to folks. It, it's got a different kind of feel than the rest of the other song. So when I we're going to premiere this tonight, like. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and release the original version of Behind the Lines with, that has your solo that was cut out. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll, I'll release both, but I figured um, it would be more fun to do it this way because the original version plays differently since it has this other track inside the lines to go to start it. 
So I want to, the Inside the Lines track is very short, so I'm going to just go ahead and play it. it. It'll take just a minute. about that I, I do remember that now good back in the day you sent that to me i do remember now thank you what i like about that is the you know when i throw that i, I threw this idea at larry to do the little techno beat and he was all over it like like just blah he went all over it and he just within a moment just came up with a sick beat for that so that was super super helpful to me super super cool and you know a good producer can do that you know i learned so much from this gentleman i, I bring him up a lot because it was it was such a tutelage right to, to sit around him and kind of un, like watch what he's doing with the screen understand how he edits audio um watch the plugins to see how he messes with things kind of get an understanding of his feel who he is as a person and it takes time to do that and you know when i asked something of him he was the kind of guy that could understand me even if I couldn't find the right words to ask for what I wanted. You see? That's cool. I mean, that's... Yeah. That just comes with experience, I'm sure. Uh, there's no other way, man. There is no other way. That's the only way. Discipline, experience. Yeah. For sure. So, I, you know... We can talk about Behind the Lines, because that song was a really important song, I think, for me. I don't know if it was for you, but in terms of musically speaking, it, it kind of, it was, a, it was a departure from what I had really done in the past. I mean, you, you heard the solo album, so you kind of know where I was around the time that you actually met me. I think it's important to mention, too, that when you first played, now, you would usually come to me with riffs that you'd written. You had like what two hundred riffs written. That's a bit of an exaggeration. I had I had a, something a catalog of about eighty to hundred songs, something like that. By the time so that like I it, met. Was, it was like five hundred riffs that you had written at any given time. Something like that, but, somewhere in my head, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But the thing was, and I'm pretty sure that this is right. Um, when you brought the riff to me, you had already, you could kind of hear the rest of the song in your head. I think. I see. Yes. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, so it, sometimes it was hard for me to to be on board right away with the riff because you already had the vision in your head of what was going to go on top of it. Oh, I see. It's yeah, more so, difficult for you to kind of like be creative in that process if there isn't room for your sort of on-the-spot take. I see what you're saying. But... uh so at first, when you brought me that riff, I was like, I don't know. 
I don't know if I really like that. Like, I don't know if really? I'm really in that one. I don't know if we. I really want to huh. play on that one. But then you're like, no, just just trust me. Just trust me on this one. And I'm like, I don't know. And I fought it for a while. I don't know how long I fought it for. <laughs> I hear a pattern. <laughs> In our friendship, you know, brother. How long was it? Do you remember? It was a long time. I don't remember how long, but I do remember it you fighting it. It was a fair amount of time. I mean, it was a fair amount of time. And I think we were jamming, and then you just started playing the riff without asking if I wanted to play it. <laughs> yeah. And I, was, and I was like, oh, you know, what the heck? And then I wrote the little the little lead over the intro part, which is also during the, the verse, I believe as well. It Correct. Continues into the verse. And then after we wrote that, it was just kind of, wait, well, this is actually turning into something cool. So maybe we should just keep going with it. <laughs> and you, of course you weren't going to object to that because you wanted to do that the whole time. The whole time. It's what I wanted. <laughs> so that one, I will admit I was wrong on that one for sure. <laughs> You guys, I'm so happy right now that I hit record on this to have this moment captured in my life because the, the, the amount of times I've heard this, this man say that, I don't know if I can, I, I'd have to go back. I, I can't think of another time that you've been so openly gracious in saying that, dude. I mean, no, it's not true. You've definitely, you're the kind of person who, you are really good at understanding even as advanced as you are as a musician, like understanding wh where, what lessons you still need to learn as you go along your way on your path. It's been very, it's a very useful tool as your writing partner to see you learn those lessons because then I, then I can more easily identify times where I need to learn that lesson and, and apply it in my life. It's very helpful, man. Seriously, very helpful to have you as a friend. For real. That, that was kind of a... How many riffs do you think I shot down? <laughs> Probably more than I. Well, you know, I had 500 of them, so a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of them, and you shot most of them down. <laughs> I think for me, it wasn't necessarily that it was me saying that I thought the riffs were good or bad. I think it was just, does this riff excite me enough to bring the creativity out there you go to bring the inspiration out wow that's so well said thank you no thank you for saying it that way because i see it now okay cool thanks man so anyway you you got me on this one uh, behind the lines good <laughs> it's nice to win sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but um Behind the lines. Wonder if I have, you know, what would have been really smart if I had been really prepared for this podcast. I would have had the lyrics in front of me so I could go over it with you. Because I kind of, that song has a lot of meaning for me personally. Uh, and well, go ahead. There's two versions, right? You're telling me there's two versions of it. That's correct. They're 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 very similar. It's just the one version has the guitar solo cut out and a little more polished on vocals and having like the, I think, I've, I, think I had a background vocals or something like that. It was definitely more polished. But, you know, I went I back. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the bass line was more prominent on the, the first version. That's a good ear. Uh, and, I, and I discovered that again as I went back and listened to it. 
And boy, the bass really cooks, man. We talked about it in the last podcast how I think you came up with it. I played it. Larry, I think, played one small little section of it. And I covered everything else. And then I and I then embellished. So like throughout the song, you hear me embellishing the bass line. And I can remember thinking to myself when this original version it was recorded and going back. And I'm like, who is this guy that's playing bass? Because like, I know I, my hands touch the instrument, but how is that me like i'm not i don't i never really thought of myself as a good bass player until this song well one of the reasons um outside of i mean that guitar solo wasn't the greatest one i've ever played but to me the, the first <laughs> sorry that's sorry i shouldn't laugh the first version that uh one of the things that i liked about it was the bass line like i really felt the bass line uh enhanced everything and kind of tied it together and when it was just slightly louder i i I thought it was better that way personally i mean i could be wrong isn't it fascinating how certain frequencies that are woven underneath all of the music that we hear in this world right it it how it can have such a dramatic impact on the overall feel of the song I just, I'm fascinated by that, dude. And, and when you take both versions of the song and you hear the A and the B and the B version, which is the, you know, the edited version and the different bass and that was sort of pulled out, it had more of a driving drum beat to begin to. That's another edit that we did where we sort of, almost a disco beat that started the song, like a real, I don't know, almost a carryover from that little techno intro that I played for everybody just now. So I mean, it it definitely it sort of has its own life. Like I really dig both songs. They're the same song, but they're also sort of different. And and I, but I upon review, I will have to give you a point because your point was made. I find myself preferring the first version. Yeah, I mean, when I went back and heard it again, and did the A B comparison, I hate to I hate to admit that I'm wrong, but. Uh, my ego will just have to step aside, and, and I will admit that I was absolutely wrong. I prefer the first version, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Can you play, like, the first, you know, the the intro yeah. to where the lyrics start so that people can kind of... I mean, I, I think you can pretty... Sure. You can tell pretty well. I got it right here. It's queued up. Ready? Right. Which one is this? This is the first version. This is Behind the Lines, the original. Okay, here Ready? we go. So that's the original. It's about 30 seconds okay. there. And then do you want to compare it with the mastered version? Yeah, I do. Okay, here's the mastered version. Same song. You hear that disco beat? both i really actually like both versions you know but the first one right. go ahead no, i was gonna say i like both too it's hard not to like your own voice <laughs> but i but i just <laughs> i sing beautifully uh <laughs> i really just enjoy 
having both. I'm so grateful that we actually do have both versions. And I was very meticulous about keeping old versions of songs. You you know, that reminded me of something else, uh, not a topic I intended to bring up in this conversation, but it's coming to mind. I actually released another album that I've never talked about ever. And I don't even know if you remember it. Do you remember the beautiful EP? Um, not the one you released on this channel? Correct. I have an earlier version of that album. Instead of 12 songs, I started with six. So six of the songs from the, uh, all six of the songs from the beautiful EP made it onto the be- beautiful. Um, but beautiful does not have a the in front of it. It's just beautiful is the name of the album. But the year before in 2009, I was working on all this and I saved up enough money to go into the studio and I only had limited funds, limited time. So I got the sixth song, the six songs that I wanted to keep that I, that I knew I could get done by myself with a drummer. Like I, um, well, and then you, I, I purposely had a song that I picked that I, I just wanted to feature you because I just thought you were such a talented player that I, I, you know, and I actually like that it's an understated song and your solo is understated in the song. It's not complex. It's not, and it's such a good sneaky way to introduce you to people because they, I want people to see your sensitivity and your, because, you know, you're such a cocky fool that, <laughs> you're not a fool, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're so, um, you have a way that people, I don't think people respect your range because of the way you come across, because you're a little too cool for school and you're, you're aloof, you know? Um, I don't, I don't, and I've never been accused of that. I don't. <laughs> you mean your entire life? <laughs> Somewhere, someplace in, in some other plane in the future, I, I just picture your mother cackling hearing this recording and <laughs> your parents or your, and your, or your family or your brother or, you know what I'm saying? Like someone out there that knows you well is cackling when I, when I throw out accusa- accusations like that. And I feel that my family probably feels the same way when you're pointing things out on my end. But anyway, um, <laughs> my dad at least. Um, but yeah, these six songs, dude, they were all I could do at the time, right? And I actually never, ever, 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 except for a few choice family members, ever tried to promote or put these songs out I was I was very self-conscious and I there's some errors in here that I didn't have the chance to fix and I actually haven't gone back and re, as much as I went and re-listened to the, the beautiful the album and our old EP the the inside the sound EP that you and I you know started on and never quite finished um, I've never actually gone back and really take, given these a good listen I intend to release this again the two, the, be, the beautiful EP those six songs are you're going to hear the old versions of them and to kind of see how they evolved into what... And I actually am much happier. I, and this I do remember. I'm much happier with the versions that ended up on the actual album. That I'm very grateful for. Because the ones that I that I released on the EP, I was they never set well with me. I couldn't let them go. But once I got them on the album, I could let them go. Do you see? Which songs were the six original ones? Well, the, I know. The original ones, you should know. I hope you know them. Um, so it's My Girl was the first track on this, on the beautiful EP. And then the okay. second track was still Falling Back Asleep, just like on the album. Uh, the next track is called Cowardly Machines, which is number five, I want to say, on, on the full album. The fourth track is Beautiful on the beautiful EP, as opposed to the title track being uh, number three on the full-length album. And then beautiful uh, sort of winter song in the spring is the one that I feature you on. And it, it trails after beautiful. It's supposed to. They're really sort of connected together. They're supposed to be one song, so to speak, even though they're two songs, you know. It's one yeah. thought, one moment in my life. 
And so on the album, I maintained that, and that's why Winter Song in the Spring still falls. It's number four on the full album, but it's number five here. And then finally, Tell Me. So the last song on the beautiful EP is number 10. On the, so number six is number 10 on the, um, the full length. Yeah, I, you've definitely uh, played those songs for me. It's been a long time, though, huh? I already at least part of it. For sure, man. But I'm realizing that it's time to put that out there, man. I mean, I actually am really proud of this effort. This was my first EP. It was my first anything that was better than just me singing in a room by myself. You know? That's not true. That's not true. I have other. I have older stuff. That's not fair. I did. I did do an EP when I was in high school. I mean, I actually worked with a very famous uh, producer. I don't know if I told you that, you know, but I worked with somebody who produced Leanne Rhymes like uh, way back in the day. He had this little studio in, in Clovis, and so he he'd had some big names, right? And he was a country guy, and you know, he just sort of like let us play. He he we paid him a, a reasonable amount that we could afford, and it was he had a majorly good gear. And we were able to get pretty good sound. I mean, out of for being 15 years old, 16 years old. I mean, we even covered a Blink-182 song, if you can believe that. I mean, we covered it terribly, <laughs> but... <laughs> Did I ever play that for you? I believe so, yeah. All the small things? Hold on. This is a cover, okay? Now it's 15, so you can't judge me. Oh, whoop. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was it. You like that? Jerry's singing lead on, on backup vocals. I know that drum, that drum stutter. Just Blink One Eighty Two, man. Huh? I, I don't. I didn't know you were ever into Blink One Eighty Two. I was a massive because of Jerry. I was a massive Blink One Eighty Two fan. I just I love that moment where we cut off where the drum sort of stutters and they go in. You would think I wouldn't like it because it's not like a it's not a, a polished shiny transition. It sort of just stutters and then stomps. But it's actually one of my favorite drum transitions ever because it's just so. There was so much energy in that room that when my the drummer David uh, played that, um, you should have seen him, man. Like when I watched David through the glass, like just wail on these drums, I he lit up, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's a talent, and he he grew into. I mean, he started listening to metal and stuff, and he introduced me a lot of real heavy bands. Like he was a huge Deftones fan and really big into Corn and stuff like that. So he got me into those kinds of bands and Stained and all that and. And because those were his his influences, a lot of them, at least at the time, uh, before he went on to other bands, I'm sure, um, boy, if you're going to pick bands to learn to play drums and play along to, my goodness, I don't know if you could pick much better. It just His metal influences are, are really, man, there's, I can't even, we could do a whole podcast series on drummers and metal drummers and how talented they are. And, and David actually was probably... I've played with a lot of musicians. I, he improved faster as a musician than any other musician I think I've ever played with. I mean, he was that talented that quickly. It was like, I can't remember how much time it passed between us doing what you just heard there 
And then another recording we did where he had really just sort of nailed his drumming and got in time and just, oh my gosh, he's just so talented. Um, did I keep this recording? I'm pretty meticulous. Let's see. Did I keep it here? Yep. Sure enough. Here it is. Is he the one that got you to play your guitars at your knees? <laughs> no. The song is called Come Clean. It's never been played before. Ever. It's also a five-minute song, so I'm not playing the whole thing. This is three people, by the way. This is me, the bass player, Nathan, who's another talented man, and then, of course, David. We were 17, folks. Huh? This was this was at my this was the height of me holding my guitar down low like that. <laughs> so while this song was going on and this solo was played, the solo was on the floor. I was bent o- like the guitar was almost touching the floor. I was bent over while this was being played. Watch. <laughs> it picks up some. Here we go. Song changes tempo. Hold on. This was definitely played on the floor, bro. I'm telling you. I was bent over. I wanted to be that guitar player from Stained. Do you hear how tight David's drum is here? How, how on the beat he is? So what is, what is that song called? Come again? What is that song called? Come Clean. And this was before What's Her Name came out with their Come Clean. There was a, there's a famous pop artist that around this time, like I would say probably a good like six months after I wrote this song, I heard another song on the radio called Come Clean that was like Haley Duff or Hillary Duff or one of those kind of folks. For the life of me, cannot remember it. But it was super popular at the time for a brief moment. And I was like, she, she took my idea. I, I don't know how that happened. It was so freaky. But like this song, dude, you got to understand how that was recorded. So, you remember old computers that had a monitor and a tower, and they were both enormous, right? The monitor was the size of a large TV. Do you remember, Ryan, those old microphones that you would just plug in through USB? Actually, no, this was not even USB. It was an analog microphone that plugged in through the mic jack. You remember those? Yeah. I hung that over the amplifier, and... uh, Excuse me, not the amplifier, the PA. So, what you're hearing is one microphone... In a room, in a house, this is a suburban house, we were in the living room, turned up loud, we had a huge, you know, a big drum set there, Dave was playing, you heard the bass, but did you hear the bass solo? Or was that too much, it's hard, I don't know how well you could hear the detail, it, the, the listeners will hear it. When, when I they, can't hear the, uh, I can't hear the intricacy of it. Okay. I get, the, an, I get a gist of it, but. The, the listeners will get a treat, because that solo, 
that Nathan pulled off that 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 was on the spot when we wrote it. We didn't write it in the, in this recording, but like when he and I was in his, we were, I think we were in his room. We sat down together. He had his little practice amp. I had my little practice amp, and I came up with a like the guitar part that you guys heard, and then he just sort of looked at me. He looked down in his hands. He looked back at me, and he just went, like, I don't understand how he did it to this day. And this was 20 years ago. He was, Nathan is, I, I, I kind of, like, grasp at words to describe how talented that man was. Like, at 16, 17, the way he could play the saxophone or the way that he could play the bass blew my freaking mind. And then just, he was such a source for inspiration. He's the one that introduced me to... Um, the trap. He introduced me to Primus. He introduced me to, I mean, the list just keeps going, man. Like Finger Eleven. He introduced me to Finger Eleven. Come on, Finger Eleven. I never heard about before Nathan. And oh my goodness, man, what a what a journey that was. I love that band so deep, man. I love that Canadian band. <laughs> I had to throw, throw it out there that they're Canadian. You know, we love you Canadians. Um, <laughs> but I, I, what I'm fascinated by uh, Ryan is like how on the spot that that solo was that he was just able to just boom out of nowhere because he had years of training doing that you see like he he had been a trained musician most of his life right with the at that point right at 16 all those years he had invested right in, in playing instruments he was obsessed like i was man it was such a treat to to work with him and to you know write music with him well that's kind of uh it's something that we've talked about the creative process when you're when you're writing a song or you, if you're improvising how sometimes you just know what to play and you're not sure where it comes from like you like you were saying you don't you have no idea where that bass solo came from yeah and how many times have we <laughs> collaborated and we did things and we went back and listened to them and we weren't quite sure where it came from it it came from inside of us and, you know, through our fingers and we were able to articulate it on the guitar, but, or on whatever instrument you know, we were playing at the time. Uh -huh. But it's kind of, uh, it's an unexplainable thing. It just, like I've said a few times, to just pick up the guitar, not have anything premeditated and you just sit down and start playing and, where, do, where does that come from? I, I don't know. Good instruction. I don't know. It, it happened to me today. I tracked the guitars. My guitar parts are done now on Guitar Crime. Yeah. And that's the song we're working on here. And uh, I, I channeled I channeled everything that I had in my power. to. I told myself that if the mood struck me, I would go ahead and try to play my solo. Uh, I decided that on this song that it was appropriate that I put myself out there, like really be vulnerable, put myself out there and do the thing that scares me the most. And that's like solo on the spot. But as terrifying as that was, my producer, Angel, looks at me and goes, I think you got another one in you, man. Do it again. I'm like, no, no. Did you, do you see? I'm literally, I'm shaking. I, all of my energy was, was put into that first take. And I, I, I threw my guitar down and throw it. I gently set Betsy down. I love you, Betsy. I gently set Betsy down to the floor, face down. 
like like I'm done. I don't think I ever need to pick up the guitar again to prove anything to anybody else ever in my life. Like that's how I felt after I finished that first solo. And then Angel looks at me. He's like, "Yeah, do it again." <laughs> like, do you understand what I just did? The hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, and you're telling me to do it again, <laughs> again. You want me to do it again? And so I did it again. <laughs> and it got better, dude. Like. I it is not perfect. It is not polished. It is anything but, but it is the perfect fit for that song. I did a dueling guitar battle with myself, and I, I'll tell you, brother, I really did not think of myself as a good enough guitar player to do what I did in this recording. And today changed that. Today, I went in to Guitar Center, and I kid you not, I looked around, saw some of the merch. Yeah, looked at a few of those nice guitars hanging them high up on the wall. Uh, and then I saw this beautiful Fender-branded, like, fedora with little Fender guitars on it. It's kind of black and gray. And it just fits my style, you know, to the T. But I've never been confident enough to put a fedora on my head. Ever. And I looked at it, and the hat looked at me, and it said, you've earned me. Go ahead. So I went and I bought it. It didn't cost me much. And, you know, I just... I can't believe I did what I did today, man. Like, I feel like you're the one that brought it out of me, man. Over the years, just your influence was slow, was subtle, was... You were just slowly giving me the confidence. Not you didn't give it to me, but like slowly peeling back, helping me peel back my own anxieties about performance so that I would be willing to be so open and so vulnerable with with a record, you know? Um, dude, that's something that... <sighs> has never happened in at, to the level that it happened today ever in my life, ever. It was incredible. The, the experience I felt. And remember I texted you and I was like, did you feel that? Uh, yeah. Can I tell you folks, uh, it got, the day got a little spookier because I decided upon Angel's prompting. After all that, like I, and I did what I consider to be a day's work. Like that first solo, the first one I did, I thought was, that's it for me. I'm done for today. I don't have any more energy. I'm done. When Angel gave me that mischievous little look and he was like, give me another one. <laughs> He's such a jerk. I'm like, fine, Angel. Fine. Because you asked, because you're so generous with your time for free and because like, he, I just love that man like as a brother. I, Angel is such a good man. Um, I was like, all right, fine, Angel. I'll do it again. And he got something better out of me. Okay. And then he was like, do you want to do the scratch tracks? And I was like, I don't know. And um, I don't, you know, in my head anyway, I'm just kind of like, ah, I'm so drained. I'm so drained. And he was like, just do a scratch track. I'm like, all right, fine. So I get my mic out. And this is just a, you know, my, my good old Sennheiser E-935. It's been with you through thick and thin. I've dropped it millions of times. It's, it's built like a tank. It's made to be one of the best performance mics on planet Earth. And it's lasted me a decade. Uh, so it was worth the investment. And... And I said, all right, I'll do a scratch track and, and let's see how this thing turns out. And I went ahead and what you hear, what, what the folks are going to hear, because I'm going to release an early version of Guitar Crime. Um, uh, it still needs more work. And that's the beautiful thing about this getaway is, you know, we, we commit this crime one day at a time. So it's like every new day we get to add more layers to it and we'll continue to do that. However, it's at the point now where I'm feeling excited about it to the point that I have to share and I will. But this take that you're that the folks are going to hear once we premiere it with me, my scratch track take, my, my early cut, um, is one take. One take. Just one. And it's all I need. Like, I'm going to probably go back and polish it and get a really fancy, high-end, expensive mic, put my voice behind it, and you guys will really hear the shimmer. 
But in terms of the raw emotion, you can't get any better than what I did today. And when it happened, I felt like I went Super Saiyan, bro. I felt like I looked up into the sky and called upon like every last little bit of spirit I could get from anyone that, that cared about me, past, present, or future, and like helped me sing this thing. And it just blew me away what I was capable of. I mean, I, I've never sang like that before, man. I never put myself in a record like that. I've never put myself as openly in a record like, like this song. It's never happened. I'm kind of curious. Uh, what was it about lead guitar or certain type of vocals that you were hesitant to, to put yourself out there 100%? I had quality instruction from the time I was nine years old on the piano. And I'm very competent. Uh, I, I kind of go on and on about how good of a keyboard I am. I don't even put it in my music because I don't even feel like I need to all the time because I'm so good at it that I don't, I don't question my own skills there. I'm overconfident there maybe, but um, I'm a better keyboard player than I am a guitar player for sure. But I'm a, I never saw myself as a guitarist until today, Ryan. Um, I was self-conscious. I was too self-conscious to try and solo on the guitar yeah i mean yet i told you we, we talked at length at the last podcast on all these different solos i did on on the beautiful record the full-length album but you you got to remember how many takes that i took i mean that solo on tell me that you that you were you know praising me for which was humbling to hear you praise me uh, you know it was do you know how hard that was you do know how you do you're the one of the few people that do like that solo was the edge of my capability the, the bleeding edge, the cutting edge. I had to take so many takes to get that. I'm surprised Larry didn't kick me out. Because, <laughs> like, he, he did, in fact, sometimes get frustrated with, like, how many times I wanted to repeat something. And actually, you know, I was so grateful. He taught me so much, dude, because, like, I started to understand through the course of writing that record, uh, the first EP, the, the beautiful EP that was the six-song EP, I started to understand what I needed to do, like what needed to be on the spot in the studio and what needed to be just done and written and figured out ahead of time. Like the structure, the foundation does need to be there before you go to a pro studio, for sure. Um, some of the songs I had that structure, some I didn't. With the solos, I never had a structure. I never had an outline before. Whereas um, uh, I started learning that process through Larry and through this process of writing that first album, okay? And then now um, I'm at a point where I purposely told myself that I would not pre-plan a solo. And so what you hear on Guitar Crime is two takes. My first take and then my second take playing back over it. That's it. I was on the spot 100%. And Ryan, I don't know how to explain it. It's so, com it's so complex because it's taken all these years. But you as my coach, like as my guitar coach, I mean, you were the catalyst. You were the one who trained me. I didn't even understand that you were training me to be a better guitar player on the same level as you where now I feel like I'm your peer on the guitar. You know, I, I mean, I got to tell you, man, like I'm not sure if that was your direct intention, but certainly was a, a very real and very noticeable effect of us playing together. You saw how much better my guitar playing got when we started jamming together, bro. I think. I, I like, I gravitated towards rock music. That was a little more complex. I see. And uh, I guess I just wanted you to appreciate that. Not that it's necessary to do that in every single song, right? But right. that there's certain moments that call for that. There are certain moments that call for simplicity. 
And I think after you kind of delved into some of the music that I'm into, like we talked about last last show, um, you got to the point where you started to become that way, where you there were certain riffs that you would embellish a little more than you would have normally. Agreed. Or you would add certain parts that are a little more technical. That's right. And uh, so I think that's that was probably it which you did uh you did get to that point where you know you just <laughs> there there wasn't you you weren't in a box really it was just like whatever needed to be done on a particular song you're willing to do whether it be you know super simplistic or really complicated i like room for both in my life i like three chord rock songs classic old school and I like complexity. I really, I mean, really like complexity. It's a little problem. I really do like layering. I really do, man. Uh, you were so good at being patient with me along this way, along this 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 journey that I've been on on the guitar. Where now, I mean, after today, I am at a level of confidence where it's like I feel like I could sit in session with any guitar player and I could handle myself. I did not feel that way before today. I really didn't. I was very self-conscious, but you brought it out of me, man. You really helped me. You really, what you did was you're so positive and you're so encouraging that you gave me the, you, you did help me see I had the confidence and the courage already inside of me to, to bring it out of me, to, to coax it out, you know, that I could call upon it myself. I could call upon my inner Ryan, so to speak, you know, my inner Kevin Cadigan, <laughs> my, I, you know, I, I definitely name dropped Kevin so many times in the last podcast. And when I went back and listened, I was like, man, I really was obsessed with Kevin. So he came up so much in the podcast. Um, but it was the same thing. Like today, I, I wanted to channel my inner guitar player and, you know, your image helps with that. But this time it was about me. Like what is, what's on my heart? What's on my soul? What can I bring out? How can this come translate into my fingers? And how can the people that I love and care about here what I really think about them through my music, right? I mean, really. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry if I'm talking over you. No, go ahead. You can go ahead and finish your thought there. No, as usual, your time is impeccable. That was that was good good. That was good timing. Please go. That's great. Okay, you, you timed it right. Because it, it it kind of it made me think of something that I feel is important. For anyone that's that is a musician, and especially for people that want to learn how to play an instrument, and what's that? And I think you'll be on board with me in this sentiment. Um, so I'll, I'll tell a little story. It might not sound like it ties in, but I, I'll, I'll bring it around. Cool. Uh, there was a while where I was buying and reselling guitars just because I love guitars and it was kind of cool to always have a new guitar to play, you know, that would hang around for a while until I sold it. Right. For sure. And, uh, so I met a lot of people that were selling, uh, their guitars or selling other people's guitars. And a lot of one common thing that I heard was, I bought myself this guitar because I wanted to learn how to play and I realized that it just wasn't for me. And you would ask people how long they played or 
when you find out how long people generally try to play before they give up, not very long. It might be six months or less. I see. So I was thinking to myself, you know, you were giving up too soon because everyone who picks up the guitar for the first time has to go through those growing pains where nothing sounds right, where your fingers hurt, where the strings are, <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Yes. You can't even hold a chord, you can't even hold a chord without, without something going wrong. I had an out-of-body experience when I played these um, solos, and I don't remember so which one. Just, oh, my time is off. Go ahead. I'm, I'm having a hard time uh, hearing you at some point. I, that's, I don't it's where I'm turning. Go ahead. And I and I, my, I misjudge the timing here. I am mentally exhausted from today, so if you notice me cutting you off a little more frequently than I probably normally would in a, in a situation like this, it's not intentional. But my ability to hold my attention is very, very weak compared to my normal day to day it would today drain me man i i, I gave everything on the record today I, I every ounce that i had i gave to i gave to the music oh, that's that's a good thing but you know i was just to get back to the the thought it, it's just people they don't understand that it's going to be an uphill battle oh for yeah a, okay for a while i'm back all right gotcha and uh so they take that as, well, this is hard. I'm not picking it up as quickly as I thought I was going to. Things aren't sounding the way I want them to right now. Therefore, that means this isn't for me. Therefore, it means I'm just not a person who can play the guitar. That's And it's like, yeah. I went through all those same things. It's just, I was so determined that I, you know, I went, I suffered through all of that. And I think everyone has to do that to some extent when it comes to learning to play a, an instrument. And I, maybe a lot of people don't understand that or they weren't told that. Mm -hmm. So they think, oh, maybe I just can't do this. But the fact of the matter is you, you can do it. You just have to put the time in and be willing to go through that, that awkward, uncomfortable phase where nothing, nothing's working right. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to get through that phase with any instrument, especially, well, you know, singing, you know, because like with vocals, it's a whole nother level. When, remember we talked about last time how you close the circuit with the guitar, with your palms, you become sort of an electrical circuit, right? Especially with electric guitar. Right. And with vocals, though, it's even different because it's like, it's not just you, know, you it's, it's acoustic circuit. Like you are the circuit, your feet touching the ground is it. That's it. So you can you can stand up in such a way that the ground supports you, or you can just sort of melt into the ground when you try and sing. But you really just have to push with your knees onto the ground when you're trying to belt. And that's that's another thing too that I, I remember I said kind of in an off, just a real off kind of like comment about how the only time I've been recorded screaming on a song was that song "Deaf." You know, yeah. but today I screamed like I I gave it everything I had. I belted. And, you know, frankly, it was a few pointers and tips from, you know, uh, uh, just a YouTube personality with, uh, with good ideas on, like, you know, just, it's amazing what you can learn, you know, even if you don't have a teacher right there in front of you. But it was like one little trick, one little sneaky little, vo like, breath control trick. All of a sudden, I was more confident. And I was like, oh, oh I can do what I'm playing. Because I didn't think I could pull off what I pulled off in the scratch track on that first take, I really didn't think that I had that in me, but 
I just applied what I, I, I grabbed as much as I could from every source, right? So, you know, I grabbed as much as I could from every influence I've heard, uh, from every coach I've had, from every, right, every, every time I had quality instruction, I tried to absorb that as a sponge because it's so precious. You know, it, it, you have to pay a lot of money to get the type of qua- top notch quality instruction that I've been very privileged to get in, in different sections of my life. And so every time I'm, I'm presented with like a master teacher or someone who's just a master at their instrument or their whatever, like I, I, it, it, I sit up, I pay attention, I, my eyes get bigger, I'm sure my pupils must dilate, and I just get, I sort of get in this student mode where it's like, what do you have to teach me and how can I, how can I apply this to my own stuff? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that, that kind of is a good transition to talking a little bit about what makes a great music teacher and what makes a great music student. And you mentioned a few things that could be applied to either of those questions. For sure. But for you, what what makes it... Uh, over your experience, because you've been a lot more formally educated, but you've also had other people that influenced you. I mean, in your eyes, what, what makes a great music teacher? Number one thing is listening. You cannot be a music teacher at all if you can't listen. And you really really need to learn to listen as a student because I, I, I don't expect a music student to have the kind of ear that I do. I just don't. And I, and I don't hold it against them. If you're at a level where you're looking at other musicians and you're wincing when they play, it just means that your ear isn't as developed yet. And I, you know, it was a man, this man, I don't even know his name, but there's a man that taught me a little something about the blues. I don't even know his name. I, I met him in Tucson. Uh, he sort of appeared in my life like a ghost and then left. Like he, he was just, I only knew him for a very short time in my life, right? I wish I knew his, knew his name, but, but there was a, a little music store and I can't remember the name of the music store because that's how long ago it was and it was, it's not there anymore. I know where it is physically, but it's not there. And in this little music store, we, you know, I even bought one, an acoustic guitar there once and beautiful, beautiful acoustic guitar. I missed that guitar. I wish I didn't have to sell it. Um, but anyway, the, in this little guitar shop, they would have an open mic night. And I show up there, I'm probably what? By the time I was living there, I was in my early 20s. And I was a, I was a solid, um, I was a good musician, right? I'm very talented and, and I was cocky. And, you know, I'd go in there and with my one little acoustic guitar and sing my song. And I, I was probably the b- best and brightest of the bunch. I mean, if I'm being honest in terms of the quality of the music, there was like one guy that went in there was like, oh, okay, he's probably better than me. And I, and I bought his album. <laughs> it was great. He played this one song called The Ballad of, Ballad of uh, William and Sully. And to this day, I, that song still haunts me. It's such a beautiful song. Um, I'm sure I could find it in my in my record collection here, right, um, <laughs> in my phone. But um, I think I think the band group name was called Nothing at All, like E.T. though for at, and then all. Anyway, um, I remember some younger kids playing, and I remember wincing. And very visibly being like, ugh, this is terrible. I didn't say anything. It wasn't like, I'm not the kind of guy that would go out of my way to try to crush somebody. Like, I, it's just not, it's never been in my nature, bro. If I can avoid hurting someone's feelings, it is my number one goal, right? But I right. absolutely was reacting and wincing to the terrible plane, and at least in the moment, I thought oh, it was terrible. And, you know, it's funny. He even got up, the, this, this gentleman, this older man, um, I just remember him having like a long beard 
and long white hair, right? And he says, you know, the whole reason why we're doing this is to let people who don't normally get a chance to play in front of others to do that. Like, this is part of the process. We're learning here. And, you know, I sort of sat there smugly, like, yeah, that's right. And then it dawned on me later on, after I left, that he was actually talking to me directly. Because he saw me. He saw my, he was looking at me. Because he saw how talented I was. And so he was observing me. Now, this man is a master musician. I, I don't even know his name, right? But I just, I already know. I, you can, if you're a good musician, you get to a certain level, you can start sensing who is a really good musician just by their presence, right? Some of the things they say, the little clues they leave out, you know, or they leave in, or some of the things they, they, they do and say. That man sat down with me one time, and it was, I think, once or twice, and he taught me the blues. He taught me a basic blues chord, and he could tell how excited. You could tell how excited I was to learn. And he, uh, I thanked him for teaching me. And you know what he said to me, Ryan? He said, um, it's not even my stuff. Or I can't remember exactly what he said. He just said that, that he wasn't really teaching me. He was just sort of like, just passing on the knowledge. And he said, that would be my job next to, you know, to, to just give it up, pass it on to someone else. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, my turn would come to teach. Right. And at the time, you know, all I really wanted to do in the world was music. And since I didn't think that I could make a living, right? I didn't think I could make a living as a musician, dude. Like, I didn't think it was possible when I was in my teens. So I originally was like, I'm going to be a band director. Like, I that's there. that was the plan. Like, because I, I didn't think, no one really told me, you know, I didn't really know anyone and whatever that had been a successful musician. So I was like, all right, well, I do know band directors. And they were right. the, some of the people I respected the most in the world. And yeah, I, I could be a band director. Sure, I'd love it. And, and I'd love to be in marching band my, the rest of my life. So that was the plan, man. And it just it was just the college was too expensive. I couldn't afford it. And I didn't really have an avenue to it. And I'm sure there was scholarships. and th I'm sure I could have figured it out. But like it was too hard for me to do on my own. And I didn't really have a, a big... I didn't have someone in my life to really put... I mean, my mom would have been that person, but when she died... She died when I was 16, so it was like I... I she wasn't... I didn't... I no longer had the cheerleader. I didn't have the person pushing me to... Anyway, just... So it was like... You know... That man, through some brief interactions with me, made me a better musician. But in turn, you see, he... He made me a better person, too. So I wish I knew his name, but... I wish I could thank him. Because all these years later, man, I, my heart, uh, man, getting me so, is getting me so, it's so beautiful, man. The blues is so beautiful. And I had, I didn't have the ability to love the blues before that, that gentleman. You see? So that was a um, very special time in my life. You know, a good teacher can do that, man. A good teacher can just, boing, just like touch you in the right way emotionally. And he knew it. Like, he knew what to say to me, and he knew how to teach me, and he just knew that his... Well, Ryan, his timing was impeccable. Yeah. <laughs> good teacher. So to be a good student and a good listener, a good, a good teacher, listening, key. Number one thing to start with. Work on learning to listen. It's the, the number I one agree. thing we all struggle with. I agree. That's a great point. I don't really know that, honestly, it, 
it's hard to think of anything that I mean when you, when you just say you have to be a good listener there's so much that goes into that 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 probably is the key really is the key yeah there, were, there, there were a couple other things that I thought of um, believe it or not I wanted to play a little clip from Nuno Betancourt who is one of my favorite guitar players okay he gave a piece of advice one time that kind of at the time I it, I don't know if I took it as him being really egotistical at the time that I heard it but I understood what he was saying. I understood what he meant, you know, and, and the more I thought about it, I, the more that I appreciated it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's so true. So hopefully you can hear it. All right. Um, we'll give it a try. I'm going to play it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, right? Um, you know, you've talked about it, how someone will, will say something with the intention of, of trying to teach and uh, you don't sometimes in the moment you don't grasp the depth of it and down the road you have an experience or you run into a specific situation in which you remember that lesson you're like oh okay wow that was that was more meaningful than I understood at the time oh that's right I kind man. of feel like that's that's important, but here it is. I'm going to play it now. Yeah, you did this interview on some foreign channel. Oh, that's cool. Back again. It's been so long. Uh, my name is Nino Betancourt. Welcome to Guitar Part. I'm actually going to show you a few things, or maybe a few. Um, I've been requested to show you some, uh, some of the uh, early extreme stuff off of pornography which obviously is a very probably a significant record in my uh in my career as a guitar player and uh it's interesting that i'm here actually showing you these things because normally one of my theories was that uh um my experience one of the coolest things that uh that you like from it when you like a guitar player you actually sometimes it's better not that you should you're probably watching this already but sometimes it's better the reason I didn't do these DVDs or instructional DVDs is because for you to gain your own identity, meaning that if you, um, when I learned a Zeppelin record, when I learned a Van Halen lick, I would take, obviously I'm old, I would take the record and I would go forth, back and forth, and I would play it until I thought it was right, until I thought I was doing it the right. The good news was is that I was playing it different than Eddie Van Halen. I was playing it different because I didn't get to see it, which what that does for you makes you become your own guitar player and develop your own style. So if, if you have the guy in there explaining everything to you, you end up becoming kind of like a clone of the guy because you can see where he's putting his fingers, what he's doing. And uh, so I'm going to share a few with you. But personally, I think it's, uh, I don't necessarily think it's the greatest idea to always uh, to, to see, to, to clone a person. I think it's better to interpret what I'm doing and do it your own way. Huh. It's it's almost kind of takes away a little bit of the mystery and part of learning, you know, part of learning these things on guitar without seeing it 
is also teaches you. It teaches your ear. It trains your ear. It gets you better at deciphering bugs and flies and things off of um, CDs. But uh, here we go. So don't watch this. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is wow. the best advice that I've ever heard, and I've never heard another professional guitar player say that. That's so Have insightful. You? No, I mean, I, it blew me away. I, I've i never heard him say it before. I, uh, I'm a little at a loss for words, man. He just, he's so articulate. Uh, I mean, I knew he was intelligent just from his music, but just like to hear him speak and to hear him say something that I feel in my bones because of the experience I went through today. Today. And it's not like I give you a lot of time to prep for this, dude. I mean, I, I basically sent the clip of the, the song we worked on, or we sent the, the, the rough draft, and then, like, I barely had time to come home. I stopped by Guitar Center on the way home and bought something. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Um, well, I'll tell you that story. I, I did be, I, bought, I talked about the fedora, but I bought something else. Um, but anyway, the, the time, the time that I took to get here, you I mean, dude, like, it's not like I gave you a lot of prep time for this. So the fact that you were able to grab that clip and play it and let me hear it, the timing is impeccable again. Like, I'm blown away. I really am, man. Well, to me, it's so powerful because that's that's what I feel like a great music teacher would do. They would help you to understand that you your goal should be in, that in your playing that you shine through in your music you shine through you're that you're going to be yourself i see that when you play uh you play what inspires you you play what makes you happy that's and right you don't worry about what other people think of it and you're not trying to play to please other people you're just being yourself and i think that's what he's oh. trying to say like you don't want to become a clone of someone else like I don't want to become a clone of Nuno Betancourt. Like, it's his job to be Nuno Betancourt. It's my job to be Ryan. Therefore, my goal is to to develop my own individual style and to let to let me come out oh. in my point. And then that's something I always... I, I, I didn't realize it, but that's something I kind of did on my own. But when he said that, I mean, it, it made complete sense to me. It really did. Wow. And you think of the, the, innovate, the innovators and the music... Uh, in the music world, um, I mean, we're talking about guitar players, but you think all the innovators, they had to, they were being themselves to the nth degree, right? They didn't care what anyone thought about what they were playing. They wanted to be themselves. They wanted to express themselves. They played what inspired them. They played what made them happy. And that's why they innovate. That's why they were so innovative, because they had this unique tone. It's like those kind of guitar players, when you listen to them, you could listen to one bar of a solo and you know it's them. Like you can hear yeah. them in the tone. Like it's they are shining through the tone. Like they have their identity musically. Wow. And I yeah. Think that's important, man. Like I I really think everyone should strive for that. Like don't try to be someone else. Like you said, uh -huh. it's it's good to 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 try to um have your own adaptation or your own version of what someone else is doing. And you can like kind of take that and make it part of what you're doing, but you don't necessarily want to do it exactly like another person, you know, like just, right. That's right. You just, we, it's talk, you know, it goes back to what we've been talking about lately, which is 
we want to remove all the obstacles that are going to get in the way of creativity, that are going to let in the, get in the way of our us being ourselves and being able to to write inspired music. And I, I feel like if you worry too much about trying to sound exactly like another guitar player or trying to play because you think this is going to sound cool and so-and-so is going to like it or whatever, to me, those are just obstacles that get in the way of creativity, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's taken me a long time. As a musician, I feel like I've been working on this little puzzle for 20 years, man. Like, in, in, I mean, I was... I was already a serious musician by the time I was 16. But like uh, 20 years ago, man, like I was not, I was, you know what it was? So that first solo album, Beautiful, I feel like most of that album is me trying to like send a message to some chick. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, if we're being honest, most dudes, if they're going to write music, it's because they're trying to either win over a particular lady or like just win, find any lady or just, you know what I'm saying? They're trying to look cool. And you know, um, that first album, I would say there's probably one person that was like half of the songs on that. first. Um, but like, I feel like I was still trying to write gifts for other people. You know, little little presents. This is what I did from an early age. I, I would, I'd write a song, and and you know, if I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could make a present. You know, with my, you know, they always suggested like make a present for your family because you know make something you can do. Well, I couldn't like really. I wasn't super crafty, or super like you know wasn't good at putting together a scrapbook. Let's say as it, it just wasn't my interest. But but boy, I would write songs for people. That's what I used to do. Yeah, and that was my way of well, giving gifts. Wrong with that? No, no, no. There really isn't. But at the same time, the problem with that is when you're when you're so focused on another person, and you try to express yourself, some of them comes in the music, right? But that's not necessarily what's going to give you the most emotional punch. And what I've discovered is like, okay, guitar crime, right? Is it personal? I, yes, I put every, but it's not about someone else. You see, it's it's it is lit the whole point of this song is for me to express myself. It's about me. It's not about anybody else. It is just about me. And it's about me finally having the courage to say, I don't even care if people think I can do the music thing or not. Watch me. Just watch. I mean, and it was seeing the image of Johnny Cash flip me off on in Angel's room. <laughs> like that, that really, he got it from a street artist like that sketched this, like that did it by hand beautiful beautiful sketching he's got it framed and i saw johnny flip me off and then i looked in his eyes and i saw like a little wink and i was like oh i see what we're doing here johnny and it dawned on me that i was still you know wrapped up so much in my emotions i was or i should say with my emotions i was wrapped up so much in my situation and what's going on in my life and i'm not really seeing what the, the power that music has right and and then i realized oh yeah you know, I can just go ahead, all the pain, all the heartache, everything I felt my entire life where like I wasn't good enough or I didn't have the the, the time or the money to, to, to succeed because of just circumstance or whatever, that it didn't matter. I could make the worst sounding record in terms of the quality of the audio track and still just make it beautiful because I've learned over years because I've had to be so, because of the situation in my life, I've had to just sort of keep chugging along keep grinding keep keep pushing to finding my way 
and I've learned to take ugly things and turn it into the most beautiful thing I can make it. And I've, I've developed a skill for that. And, and it shows in my guitar playing, too. Like, you will hear, when you hear my soloing, Guitar Crime, you're going to understand why I named Tom Morello as my influence. Because it sounds like mistakes to some people. But, like, good guitar players are going to hear what I do. They go, oh, I see what he's doing. So I've started to understand myself a lot better um, by just allowing, like, does my influence from Tom need to show up here? Does it, um, does my influence from, say, Kevin Cadigan need to show up? No, like, it just, I just sort of let, I let that flash come by, and in the moment, if it's appropriate, I let my fingers do the talking. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense to me. Even I mean, if the, I am a little, the, a few cents sharp or, or flat from time to time. No, your influence, <laughs> your yeah. influences are. If you listen to music, a song, uh, an album, a certain amount of times uh, repetitively, it's going to be locked up somewhere in your subconscious, and you know I'm sure elements of it are going to come out at certain times. You know, certain, oh, yeah. certain, like for me, for example, if I if I'm going to. Um, try to come up with a lead you know i hear a certain chord progression uh for the rhythm maybe when i start to play something is going to come out that i heard in the song but it's it's going to be part of you know the other notes that i'm playing so i might not necessarily notice it you know what i mean yeah but, oh yeah but it's it's definitely there i mean i don't, I don't right. think you can deny that can i share one other little joy that i want to share with the listeners what today did for me. I'm 35 years old right now, folks. And I sent my dad an early cut, like the cut that I'm going to release essentially tonight of Guitar Crime. And you know what his response was to me, Ryan? What's that? Uh, oh, hey, that reminds me of my favorite Jimi Hendrix song, All Along the Watchtower. It floored me. It floored me. I mean... I'm not going to lie, like, throughout my life, there have been ups and downs in my relationship with my dad. There were times when we weren't speaking, okay, at all, okay? And that relationship has changed and evolved and grown into, like, a very dear, loving friendship relationship with my dad. Like, I just respect him so much, and I, I mean, he was my hero growing up, right? This, this, he was, he was captain in the Air Force, you know, captain dad. He, I mean, he just, come on, he was a superhero, you know, up until I was a teenager, he could still, like, whoop my brother and me at the same time. Like, it was, it was, we were embarrassingly old before the two of us could take him together, man. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and, you know, look, we didn't have the best communication style together because we're so similar. And so it's like, for, um, for us to be able to talk music, I mean, he, I, I listed off all these different influences, right, that he did play and he did talk about. But you know what? He never played Jimi Hendrix. for. He's never brought up Jimi Hendrix to me, frankly. And rather than be upset about that, like, oh, no, what? My dad would have only sat down and, and played, in, uh, you know, all along the watchtower and sat right next to me and played that vinyl, you know, for me when I was 10 or whatever. What could have been different? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm actually really glad because... This journey that I've been on, dude, to be a better musician has given me the gift of being able to communicate better to my family. And I'm, I'm rather than saying, oh, what if, or saying, oh, I should, he should, we should have had that conversation about Jimi Hendrix 20 years ago. All I could think about today was the gift that I had that my father was talking to me about Jimi. 
Yeah. I mean, Jimmy's special, dude. I've said it so many times. Like, Jimmy's music touches me, too. So for my dad to say I reminded him of Jimi Hendrix, I don't really care what anybody else thinks about this song, man. Like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm so happy with how this thing turned out. I can't believe that I took that, – that first take MJ appeared three times in this song, man. I just – man, dude, I'm still feeling it now. Like, as emotional as I'm getting tonight, it's because, like, it took so – you guys, it took so much out of me to get this – It. Again, I was at the limit of my abilities today. So I love capturing the hardest moments of my life on audio. Man, that's what I did today. Today was the hardest day of my life, and and I and I rocked it. So like I I felt like a rock star, dude. I I walked around with my little tie, you know, my little music tie. It's my favorite tie, and and I even I dressed up today because I like when I woke up this morning I knew I was gonna do big things. So like I walked out the door confident because I dressed up. And it, you could tell in the way I walked. You could tell in the way I looked around. Like, I just, I was like, I got this today. I'm going to track today, and it's going to rock. It's going to be amazing. I didn't think I was going to get to the vocals today either, dude. I thought I was just going to get guitar work done. But Angel pushed me, man. He pushed me to be better. He pushed me to keep trying even though I was exhausted. It was amazing. Just amazing today. That's, to me, it's really interesting because I know you've shared your music with your father for a lot of years now. And I, I know he had his, his favorites that he liked of yours. Right. That he would talk about. Um, but to bring that up, what do you think about, what do you think it was about this guitar crime song that, that we're in the process of creating and, as we talk about what it's going to mean, why do you think that? Why do you think this particular song affected <laughs> him on that level to compare it to something like that? Because the emotion and the feeling that I put into the song is on a different level than anything, at least I've ever heard. And you know how obsessive I am about listening to things, <laughs> about listening to different music musicians, and the, but I've never heard anybody do what I did today, ever. Not in the way I did it. Similar, maybe, but I did a unique thing. I, I created some art today that that just, it sort of birds itself, man. It sort of just, the little chicken poked out of the egg on its own, man. I, I don't know how to say it. Like, the song wrote itself from the start of it. Like, I was just in a zone where I was, you know, bouncing back from feeling great and, and not great, right? I miss my kids and stuff. And, like, so, like... I just one day was just by myself in the studio as I, uh, you know, just needing to get something out of me, not knowing where it was going to head, needing to, to play the guitar. So I pulled out Betsy and I plugged her in and I started playing and I just, it dawned on me that I wasn't, I really hadn't spent enough time in the open tuning because this is what why Kevin's come back in my life so recently. Like once I figured out a few years back how to reproduce some of these songs with the open tuning, you know, I was like, oh, I'm happy I can play Third Eye Blind song. But it never really like crossed my mind to just go ahead and try to write songs in that open tuning. You know, so this this song is written in open in open tune specifically because I was like, what can I do with open tuning? Let me go ahead and plug in the guitar into my little 
custom stimp amp- stiff amplification made by the legendary Tony Crank. This is like a special one that he made in his garage. Crank, you know, crank amps, right? Huge amplifier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tony Crank put this thing together in his freaking garage, and it's got Sharpie on the back, like in terms of the serial number, and it's like one of whatever, one of nine. Like this this amp is is sacred to me, man. I love this thing, okay? And when you turn it on, it's got these four tubes in it, and these, these monster tubes, dude, they sound so good, man. This amp sounds so good. And I just, I turned off all the lights in the, in the studio, and I just, I just had the warm glow of the amp, you know, and, and like the light way in the back, I should say. And I just sort of plugged in, and I let Betsy sing to me. That's the best way I can describe it. I let the guitar ring out, and I just started, what, you know, picking apart. Um, the sound, I was like, all right, well, that kind of sounds good. That doesn't sound so good. Let me just sort of feel, I'll go, go with that flow. Right. And it just so happened that I was waiting on some pizza, right. <laughs> Come to the door. And I just a minute or two before the delivery person came up, you know, I started into the riff. That's the main riff for guitar crime. Dun, 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 dun. You know that the, yeah. you'll hear it in the song and you can't, you can't miss it. Um, so she came to the door, the delivery driver came to the door while I was in the middle of writing that, okay? And the timing was just, I didn't expect them. Uh, she was uh, late, I think, or, yeah, definitely late. <laughs> I was like, I want to be that rude. But she's like, yeah, apparently. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> now here their pizza was cold, but it's fine, guys. Um, <laughs> it's, still, it's, still, it's still delicious. But, you know, wise men say they don't pay full price for, for late pizza. But, yeah. All right, but <laughs> um, let's drop that reference and move on. Anyway, she paused, like, and I saw, like, the expression on her face, and when she complimented my plane, I knew it was sincere because of the way that she looked at me and the way that she spoke. She was, like, kind of taken aback, and I was, I was, like, what's her deal? Like, what's your deal, lady? Like, why are you taken aback? Like, what did I do? Was I do something, you know? And she was, like, that's bad A, you know, that's, and I, I, I was, like, thank you. Like, wow, thank you. I just literally just, you know. Just, you know, having fun here. Thanks. And that was it, yeah. right? Right. Um, but that's when I knew I had something special. To for, for a complete stranger to sort of like, I saw her flow. Like, she's, you know, you walk, because I had the door open. So she's like walking up the little ramp to come to the studio. And I kind of see her like in her flow and then just sort of like halt herself when she heard it. You see? And then I was like, oh, I'm on to something with this riff. And that's when it dawned on me, like, I'm going to, let me go back to this. And I just, that's what, that was the story. And then all the stories on Instagram now, like that, everything that happened afterward went up on my Instagram story, like the whole what's, process, you know? What's interesting to me about that, before you had named the song, when you just sent me and, you know, the rest of the people that are probably going to collaborate on this, mm-hmm. the riff. The moment we heard it, we knew there was something there. Yeah. Like, we all did. We were all on the same page. Like, this is this is a foundation that, that we can build something great on top of. Boy, how true is that statement? Were you expecting that? No. I was taken aback by the response from my, from my music friends, and I have, obviously, several. Um, when I sent it to like the the drummer that's agreed to come on this record one of my favorite drummers like ever bobby uh, bobby hamilton who's on my solo record who's a, just a giant i the fact that i got to play with him already on a record blows my mind because of how talented he is
But the fact that he's agreed to do it again is just, I mean, and he's, you know, he's only gotten better over the years. <laughs> um, but like he, his level of excitement on this, the song kind of humbled me because like he hasn't been this excited about my stuff for a long time. And he was very complimentary, very, I mean, he was also a big mentor and a big, I mean, he's a professional as, as they come. Right. So he, he taught me quite a bit, but like to, there's just something about the song that everybody I shared it with are just like, I get a certain reaction that it's the same reaction. Everyone's sort of just taken aback. It's weird. I've just never, I mean, I've written good songs before. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say this is the best song. I mean, I won't say that this is the best song ever written, but the, re- the response has been, I mean, did I tell you that after I tracked the vocals, and I kid you not, because I can verify this, because both both of Angel's kids came out of the room. But so apparently, you know, we had the Wi-Fi turned off on the the studio computer, right? That's doing the recording because you don't want to mess. Those cross signals can actually mess with microphones. I mean, some microphones are so sensitive, you'll even pick up the sound of the cell phone tower talking to your cell phone, right? Some some microphones can do that. So, um, you know, you kind of have to be careful when you've got frequencies moving around in the air. You've got to perch yourself in airplane mode when you're recording. It's just the smartest thing to do, right? Um, so he did. But all his kids, of course, are, you know, sucking down on how many, how many gigabytes of data, right? Through playing video games, doing homework, Zoom calls, whatever, all the things they do for school. But they all kind of sort of came out at the same time because I guess the Wi-Fi went out in the neighborhood. Did I tell you that? Yeah. But the spooky thing was the timing, because it was if, it was almost as if I had called upon such righteousness with my rock and roll, like with 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 one take, you know, first take MJ, doing both those solos, and then finally it was this, it was the vocals. So after I finished the vocal lick, the the, the scratch track, right? I just this is the first take, and it was almost like I felt something come off of me, this energy that just sort of like just just went in all directions around me, just poof, came out of me. And then I could just sort of like I, I kind of almost fell to my knees, man, because it just it was overwhelming this feeling. And it was like right when that was happening, going on all of a sudden, all the Wi-Fi and the and the thing is 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 because the teenager went and checked with friends in the neighborhood that live on the block, and they're like, yeah, the Wi-Fi's out in the whole neighborhood, something must have happened. And I was like, yeah. And I turned to Angel, I was like, yeah, it was just the righteous rock that we were doing. <laughs> that just you know we overloaded some circuits there in the airways. Blew some circuits with your. But you know it got me thinking. In a weird way, maybe that's just the future talking to me, like letting me know. Maybe it's just a maybe it's just a coincidence. I don't know. I don't know everything, but it almost felt like, at the moment that I was there to record this track, it was so special, and it was there's so much I could, I was able to channel so much into the song, that and I described several times feeling overwhelmed. You've seen me come to tears in this podcast because it's just the feeling was too strong for me to be able to contain. I had to sing it into a song. Like what I had to draw in to then give out, almost like when you're taking a, you know, when you're taking a big breath of air, if you breathe like kind of through clenched teeth like this, you get really like big, big, big compact air in your lungs and you can just like, it just like all this intensity. That's what it feels like when you're channeling real deep emotion for a song, you know, you're compacting something in your body. And so when you go and you release it, there was, I had too much left over. Like it, 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 my body felt like I couldn't handle it, you know? It's weird, dude. I've never really, I've experienced this before when writing music, but never to this level and never on a, well, like I said, the the response that that I've gotten from the song kind of really validates my experience. I mean, 
and I don't mean anyone else's response. I mean my own response. When I go back and listen to this track again, I'm, I still that feeling is there for me, so I understand what I did. Um, I wasn't sure if I was really even going to get into this level of detail about this, but I thought it was important to kind of open myself up a bit, be vulnerable, and kind of show you folks, like our listeners uh, that we love so much, you know, what it takes to get to this level. It, you got to put yourself in. You have to be willing to be vulnerable if you're going to be a master musician. There is no other way. You've got to put yourself out there. You have to let go of that fear that says, I'm not good enough. You have to let that go. You can't live your life that way, but you, you definitely can't be, you cannot be on the level and you cannot reach where you want to go with music unless you learn to let that go. That fear. I agree. You, again, you don't want any obstacles. Activity. No. You want to you want to just be yourself and not you don't want to be worrying about if you're good enough to play this or good enough to play that like just just go for it 100 percent. go for it agreed another note with that song it's kind of turned into something that can be an anthem for people that are musicians Yes. That are career, career musicians, that are aspiring career musicians, or that people, or even people that don't even know how to play the instrument yet, but are dreaming of becoming a musician. Yes. And, you know, we when you called it a guitar crime, <laughs> um, what what was the, can you elaborate a little bit on that? And we can both get into it. All right. Like I don't want this to come off it. like a political statement because right. I love my country and I love this world. And I, I don't really want it, I don't really like conflict that much. But some of us live in fear, don't we? Some of us are afraid of. Not having enough money. Money, 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 money. Always about money. You got to work that nine to five corporate gig so you have the money to do what you want to do, right? You got to make sure you have enough money. You can't make any money as a musician. How many times have you and I heard this? Spoken to us by people who love us, people who do care, but, you know, not necessarily understand. Maybe just those people, they, they don't know a lot of professional musicians, right? Like they have a small sample size of their anecdotal experience. They don't really understand what it takes because you kind of have to start becoming a musician to even understand what it takes. You can't get there from day one. You remember talk about the guitar players who give up after six months? I still view them as guitar players. It's just they, have, they just need to invest more time. Exactly. More time. Exactly. So time is money. Money is time, right? And I've never had the money, so I had to find my own way. So it took me time. Um, remember I said I was behind <laughs> my, all my heroes by the time they were nines or masters, maybe I'm 35, but yeah, it's funny. Right. Like once you reach master stat, it doesn't really matter what age you're at. It's like, that's so irrelevant to the experience. Yeah, it is. And I was so concerned. I was so worried that, you know, part of me was just like, I was in this mental prison, bro. It's like, if I, if I didn't reach, if I wasn't a, uh, a, a master concert pianist by the time I was 10, I thought that. I was going to be a loser. I had that in my head. You know, don't get too loud. You know, you're too loud. 
You're banging on the piano. Stop. And so this song was a bit of a little birdie, let's say, that we're sending in the way of anybody who thinks that that making music for a living is for losers. Like, if that's your opinion, so this is my one political statement. If that's your opinion, like, I can't, I can't, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, you don't, you don't understand enough about life for us to have an intelligent conversation. Because if you think music is for losers, you don't understand human beings. You don't understand people. Because we're built from music. Everything that's in our bodies is a rhythm. Your heart has a rhythm, folks. It beats in time. Do you think about that? I don't. I don't think about that until just this moment it came out of me. Just I don't really think about how my heart has a rhythm. We talk about people who don't have... Uh, you know, good hearts. They have a, they have a, what's it called arrhythmia or, you know, I don't know the medical term for it, but like the people who don't have good tickers, I call them a ticker. It's because their heart's not in rhythm. Yes. We're built from music. We come from music. We are music. So saying that somebody can't make a living is showing a lack of depth on your end, not the musician's end. Okay. And I can't tell you how many of my musician friends Right? Remember I told you I grew up in band, right? All those, all those fabulous musicians. I, how many of those musician friends shared me, with me the same experience that we're discussing now? The doubt. The fear. It's not enough money. You know? They, people just sort of assume that musicians are lazy. What, how, where does that come from? Right? Why do people assume that musicians are lazy? I'm not sure if they... Maybe the, the stereotype of of the rock the rock culture I don't know <laughs> where they're just sitting around you know getting hammered <laughs> high and they'll pick up the guitar every once in a while and, uh, you know I, I, I don't know what it is but maybe the, the, the thing that got me you know this got me thinking about the whole guitar crime thing like committing a guitar crime by wanting to play the by wanting to play music you know it's um it's really disrespectful to career musicians, yeah. really disrespectful to people. Um, like, we don't want to take people's dreams away. If, you know, how do we know what they're capable of? Wow. Um, if it's someone's dream to be a musician, it's really disrespectful to them to tell them that that's not a viable option. I mean, anything's possible. It's like, why would you tell someone, especially if there's a talent there? like extremely disrespectful to say that that's not that's not a valid profession you know like you said like some people look at it oh if you if you decide to be a musician like somehow you're you know that's a loser path to take you know what's even worse is the people that then assume that there's something immediately wrong with your moral character what is that about, man? I don't know if it's just the Western, like, uh, Protestant mind, so to speak. Like, if, that we can go deep into the culture and start talking about, like, the, the operating system behind the Western mind and the, the culture that's, that's built from that. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, like, why we think. I mean, you know, in the Eastern cultures, their gods all dance. All of them are into music, man. Like... In the Western culture, it's like, our, you know, there's a very serious thing that goes on. I don't understand the seriousness. Because we, we talked about this before. Even today, this has come up. I always, I mean, I've told you this in private, and I'll, and I'll say it publicly. Like, 
if God plays guitar, I'm pretty sure he can wail like Hendrix. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just can't imagine that it's always Claire de la Lune. There's, there's space for Claire de la Lune. Like, there's space for that. I'm not saying that there's not... There, we need that, too. We need that. Like, but, like, I, you can't tell me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, another, another thing to me is we have these gifts that we recognize in ourselves. You know, when I, when I finally started playing the guitar, I realized that I had a knack for it, that, that there were certain things that I understood that I was able to pick up maybe quicker than I should have <laughs> yeah, at my age. That's true, man. And music, you know, I looked at it a different way and it meant different things to me. And it seems like in our society, it's like playing, playing the guitar especially, right? It's like you can do that when you're a kid, but once you reach a certain age, you have to put that guitar away and get a, quote, real job. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, I do, yeah. And, like, for us, I'm starting to learn now, if I'm not making music, part of me is being held captive. Yeah, it's like... in prison. Dormant. As long as part of me is in prison and that can't get out, I'm not going to be 100% happy. It's just impossible. Wow. So I ask myself, why do I have a gift in a part of me that I have to keep locked away down in the dungeon where no one can see it? It's like, well, why do I even have it? What's the point of having a talent that you never use? And especially one that makes you happy when you use it. Hmm. when you enhance it you know it's just this idea it's it's really offensive to me in a way you know mm-hmm. yeah because i i feel that offense too like i i don't like to take offense a lot i do take offense to way too much to many things but i i've been on a journey ryan where i've really been trying to let go of the past okay like it's i need to heal and i need to allow the past to stay in the past and like we're we're focused on the present and we're focused on the future and I don't know if I can complete my thought, man. I'm, I, have, I have a lot going on in my mind because of the, like I said, the day. It's it's tough for me to put these sentences together. I, well, I'll tack this one thing on while you're getting your thought together. Thanks. Just the, when you tell someone that something they're passionate about is not valid, it there's going to be an element of, that they don't believe that you can do it. A part of them believes that it's not possible. Part of them believes that you can't do it. Because if they really, truly believed that you could, they wouldn't be putting up roadblocks. There you go. It would be encouraging. So that's another thing that's hard to, hard to hear. You know, it's like when, when people are just like, oh yeah, that guitar... That's that's nice that you do that, but you know you're gonna have to give that up eventually, or you're not. If you don't have time for it, oh well, you know. You got rent next month, MJ. Right. Figure it out. Yeah, it's like, money, money. It's all about money. Yeah, it was. And many of the wonderful, lovely people who were rightfully concerned about me when they found out corporate gig was no more, I got fired actually, and um, which I look at as a complete blessing because I was 
miserable. <laughs> but a lot of people um, sort of just assumed that I didn't have a plan. Sort of assumed that I hadn't been laying the groundwork for this for like a decade. <laughs> like I've been working toward this moment in my life for 35 years. I am a musician now, full time. This is what I do with my time now. And I believe that what that what you and I contribute and will be contributing to the world is so valuable that the world will agree with us and, and they will provide for us in whatever way allows us to keep making music. I believe in that, don't you? Yeah, and and the very people that would that would shoot the idea or that would shoot the idea down probably have been inspired by music in some way, shape or form. Thank you. There's some part of music in their lives. Everyone has music in their lives. And so what if what if those people that you enjoy listening to were told not to pursue that? by someone and they because that hurt them so bad at the moment that they never did so maybe your favorite favorite artist wouldn't wouldn't be out there i don't know if i oh i misjudged go ahead oh i'm done go for it oh oh thank you um i don't know if i don't know if i mean because we spend how many i we've we could probably go back and call logs right to understand we've put so much work in these last few weeks it's kind of insane i've worked I work more than double the amount of hours I work when I was working the, the corporate gig because it's like I'm so passionate about it. I'll, I'll just not sleep a night because I'm having so much fun working, okay? And nothing does that for me other than music. And all this time that you and I have been working together in the past months, I mean, really years, but, but intensely, how long is the intense period? How, when did that start? Do you, do you recall? Recently? Yes, this, this last chunk of time that's the most intense, when did that begin? Probably when you started uh, presenting the idea of the Man High Project. Right, which is our other podcast. And that's another po- right. similar in scope in terms of like wanting to have a good conversation just like this. Except the Man High Project, I get to be a little more silly and a little more... Uh, I get to, you know, you peel the layer a bit and you get to see MJ kind of at his, at his uh, most uh, ridiculous... <laughs> but <laughs> it's not for the kids, right? Like the, this was the one we're doing for for everybody. And the Manhai Project, it's a very you're gonna have a, need a particular taste to like it. You gotta like sci-fi and nerdy stuff, okay? Um, so in tech, we love. I love talking tech. I'll talk tech for days. But that's been June, right? But the but there's been periods since June that we went the most intense. After July, well, July was I think when it really began, right? Because was it mid July or early July where? And I basically went and stayed with you for two weeks, something like that, right? Right. And it was, isn't that amazing how, like, well, in that stretch of time, you know, you made the decision, you know, and I, I think you've said it in the podcast, so I think I can say it and repeat it, I hope, but about, you know, your career decision. Did you already reveal that in the podcast specifically? I don't want to step on your toes. Oh, no, I, I hadn't, I hadn't talked about it. But Is it okay if I mention or uh, to tell my story? No, it's fine. So, you know, you... You just made a decision in your life, and you know you had been laying the groundwork for yourself. And I've been watching you do this. This is this has been a very careful observation. I wanted to see what you could do. So you had a uh, well. You had originally uh, started doing some schoolwork. You, you're very good at computers, so you, you did do a computer course and, and started doing some studies there, and, and really had some talent for it. I know. Um, and we discussed that yeah, at I'm length. Certified. I'm a certified computer programmer in the C languages. Yeah, bingo. 
talented guy. This guy, <laughs> it's hard to understand some of our skills, right? The musicians, we, we musicians tend to want to just have an eclectic array of skills. Isn't that funny? And so I've been observing you quietly, okay, silently, and just making judgments, seeing where you're at. And sure enough, you started flipping guitars online. Saw how easy it was to make some money there. And realized you had a passion for collectibles and toys and things and kind of, you know, I, mean, I want to tell your story, but it's like I was observing you starting to make real income. And I knew that there was, it's been a few years now, so I knew there's going to reach a point where you could maybe just not necessarily need the corporate gig. And I remember months before this happened that you had already said that to me at one point. You're like, yeah, you know, I don't really have to work or I can't remember how you had worded it, but between you and Melinda, I already, uh, excuse me, uh, I, I'm just saying between, I kind of knew that you, you working was your sort of your choice. You know, you didn't, you know, it's, I, I knew that that, that was, there was a threshold moment. Does that make sense? I'm trying to describe the threshold, if that makes, if my vision for this is clear. So I waited until, I wanted to wait until there was a threshold moment and, and it happened, right? You quit your job in that couple weeks stretch that I was staying with you. Yeah, it so happened you were here when I did that. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, the inspiration, the free-flowing, I mean, we talked for hours and hours. I mean, we spent the whole time talking about everything going on in my life, and I made it much about me like I usually do, but yet for some, somehow you were still able to communicate with me. Isn't that crazy? Like, as much as I like to be egotistical and narcissistic, all these things, yet we were still able to maintain daily hour-long, intensive sessions that we went through. Would you agree? Like, we have been working very hard for a long time on this project, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think all that time there, we tend to forget about, we discount what certain things are worth when, when you know, but again, it's just not maybe seeing what people are doing. You know, we were working on very specific things. We even started training boxing. I mean, you you got me out of my head so that I was able to transitioned into a new chapter in my life in such a way that I feel completely at peace with my past, right? And that was no small feat, given my... I mean, you heard the first album, folks. <laughs> I have a lot on my mind, okay? And it's amazing to me, right, the timing in both of our lives that this happened. And one thing about musicians, folks that we've revealed a few times here, and I'm hoping you're getting the point because repetition and simplicity is how you're going to learn music. To be a good musician, you need good... What would you call it, Ryan? I'm not sure what... what timing. You're <laughs> oh, timing, yeah. <laughs> timing, timing, timing. Yeah. So important, brother. And... Huge. And I, I will always be forever, great, forever grateful to you for your understanding of timing because it's it, and I've noticed it in the in the conversations we have, and it's it's a very useful tool. You're just patient when I when I interrupt or if I get the wrong, if I do misjudge right the, my entry into the conversation because I'm not at this point I'm not really trying to like think in my head the thoughts I'm going to say. At this point, I'm trying to focus more on just being aware of when to jump in. So not what am I going to say, but when, am, when is it my turn? And just laser focus in on, okay, wait, just wait for it. Just be patient. 
you know, just make sure that you're that when you jump in, say whatever you're going to say, like whatever. Don't think about what you're going to say ahead of time. Just just wait for the timing. And once I learned that little trick, and it took you many years, right? How long have you been trying to teach me that trick? Like, be honest. <laughs> Reveal it. Come on. I want, I want to, because this is important, and this is for me to teach other people. So tell me, like, how, how many years have you been trying to teach me that trick in conversation? Um, I mean, I don't know if it was a... Uh, it was not fully conscious, I'm aware, but like, you know, realistically, yeah. you understood my problems with language and my problems with conversation one-on-one with people. So you were trying to help me improve my conversation skills just to help me in business, to help me with relationships with women, to help me with relationships with my kids, like all this oh, yeah. stuff, right? It's been intentional. So give me an estimate. Probably 13 years, maybe? It took you... 13 years? You could have sped up the process a little bit. Don't you think? I mean, just a little faster, man. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? <laughs> I really shouldn't be upset with Ryan, folks. But, you know, it's not like he couldn't have laid this out in a very comprehensive manner ahead of time. <laughs> but this is not how Ryan teaches me. And so here's the thing. Ryan's actually been my life coach for a long time. And he made a decision on his end without my knowledge. That I was going to be his project. I don't, I'm not not really okay. That's not a fair way to frame it. The frame I'm using is unfair. I know that. I'm trying to rile you up, <laughs> trying to get you to react. Because that, folks, you see that emotional reaction. That's because he knows I'm right. Um, I didn't think you'd find out this way, but yeah, you've been my project. <laughs> Sorry. So um, that's the beautiful thing about relationship, man, is that you were just my friend first before we got into business together, right? And you needed yeah. to make sure that I was intellectually capable. Okay, check, right? That's early on, folks. I'm pretty smart. But intellectual people, as I've discovered through this fascinating book that Ryan introduced me to, you know, we really struggle with emotional IQ. We just do. It's just something. If you're gifted, and if you're intellectually gifted, a lot of times you're a mark, folks. Okay? A lot of these good people out there that seem like they're good people are not necessarily keeping your best interests in heart. And this, you need to know this because in the culture... And in the media, and in all those little phones that you're all using to hear this voice, there are many other voices that are coming at you, and you need to understand which ones are genuine, and which ones are insincere. Yes, that's important, because good musicians need to be good listeners. You have to discern to be a good listener. Okay? So, it's taken Ryan 13 years. You know, I, because I know this has not been a, you have not... I know there's probably not a written record of you doing this like 13 years ago, let's say. I'm sure you did not make a fully 100% commitment to me. I just know that as my friend, you you probably told yourself somewhere in the back of your head that if I ever got my act together with the music thing, that you were just going to be willing 100% to just dive in with me. You know, if I if I let it and if I made if I showed you I was serious that you would because of our talent both individually, but particularly because we're together, we're definitely better together, and we both acknowledge this, you know, privately to each other. So there was a point where, as a writing partner, you saw my skill, and you realized, like, where we could take each other if we, you know, if we just worked together on, on a project, just to see what would happen, right? So yeah. it was never, it was never like, you decided you were going to be my life partner, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like you're just going to spend all your time because you've invested a lot. Of, I, you have heard a lot of my brain. You've downloaded. So you have been, we've had more intensive one-on-one conversations with you than any other human being I've ever spoke to. 
You devoted a lot of time to me, sir. And that's not by accident. It's, uh, well, you know, you give attention to the things that inspire you. You give attention to the things that, you know, get you excited. And we get each other excited, don't we? Yeah, it's, it was one of those things where, uh, We hadn't played music together in a long time. Oh, boy. And when we were, I guess the timing again here, the the subject of timing comes up. Um, You know, it's okay as a musician to, to know that if you work with someone else, you're probably going to be create something better than you can on your own. Um, not that that people don't create fantastic things on their own, and not that you shouldn't try to do that too. But I've found that collaborations tend to be a lot more fun, and you're getting you're getting a part of another person in oh, yeah. that mix, and it just creates something that it's a new fusion. You can do by yourself. It's almost like something. you're creating new life. That's actually, I wrote a song called new life. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, it's weird. I, I hope my timing's good because I, I was just waiting for my turn. So I actually didn't process everything you said to me. I'm way too exhausted. The time of night it is the day I've had, I've explained my emotions several times. It, it's difficult to talk to you at this point, but, but you're still able to maintain conversation with me and you've been patient, right? This is what you do. Would you circle me back to my, to what I said before I got uh, divergent here on the, on the point? Were you listening? Um, so, I'm so, what was that? <laughs> Are we listening, folks? Well, tell me this. What was the last thing you said before I started speaking? Uh, do you remember? I don't, I don't remember. Man. All right. What was the last thing you do remember from what you said? From what I said? From what you've said, from your perspective, yeah. Um, I think we were still talking about people looking down on, on the idea of being a career musician. Yeah, but we went way in the weeds. All right. And we're talking about a friendship, right? But see what Ryan did there, folks? We're friends. <laughs> we are. And we're talking about oh, okay. the, the, what it's like to work with a partner over a very long stretch of time. And how you work out problems and issues and things. And, I, and I'm giving people an example of me losing my train of thought. And it's, it's the hour. It's fortunate, really, that recording so late. Because you can start to see that a brain starts to shut down at a certain time at night, doesn't it? And, like, when that happens to you, you're not really in a spot where you're going to be able to absorb as much, right? You're not in a spot where you're going to be able to really be fully comprehending everything that's being thrown by your way. Yes? Right? Yeah. So I'm not saying we're stopping the conversation, but when I'm but but there's an unspoken thing that happens when Ryan will check me when this is happening, where when this repeat thing happens, I forget my train of thought, he starts to understand I'm I'm at the point I cannot process the conversation, so we're gonna work our way toward the end of it. It's a and I I'm pointing it out. It sounds odd that I'm bringing it up, but this is the skill that we're talking about that has to do with Judging when a conversation should start winding down is how good musicians 
write music, play music, listen to music. It's an important musical skill to be able to judge your partner and discern what's coming out of that other person. And when is it your turn to jump in? You know, that's a that's a useful. So it teaches you in twofold. It's like it teaches you in the word and it teaches you in the in the music. It's like there there's a lesson you can learn that applies to the spoken word, like conversation, and it can apply to your instrumental journey, folks. Um, so we, we've uh, you know, that's my roundabout way of saying we're getting toward the end of this conversation. But, Ryan, I want to go back to our checklist and make sure, you know, we did do an outline. Right. We don't do we don't. To be on the spot, we don't like write everything out ahead of time, do we? We just put a few good solid, what, it's three points or five points. We, could, we each come together and we say, all right, what do we actually want to like discuss? And then what are the quick topics we, we roll out? So um, what else did we want to talk about? Because uh, I've exhausted mine, my notes. I've got everything no, that I want to say out. We, we've pretty much covered everything that we didn't get too in-depth into uh, behind the lines. But, I mean, we can still release those. Yeah, we I well, I think if folks are listening to the first podcast and then this podcast and seeing that progression over time, they're going to be able to follow along pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, so I I, I think we're going to we should release uh Inside the Sound. That's happening. From the theme song for the podcast. That'll be standalone, yeah, for all you beautiful listeners. And then uh you know, putting up Inside the Line. If you or if you want to put up both versions, so that people can hear what we're talking about as far as the difference. Well, no, I'm willing. Well, okay. I guess I should ask you this. I didn't, we haven't talked about this off air, but um, so the you know the the inside the sound EP, I am willing to release it as is, like the original cut. You know, the before we mastered those other three, because you tend to. I I'm gathering from our conversations that you tend to prefer the original cuts to to each of the three that we ended up mastering. So I'm willing to release the complete EP except for the minus one song, which is just, I'm so busy with Guitar Crime, I cannot get back to lovingly restoring the song. I don't have the means. I don't have the time. So I am. I will definitely release it as soon as it is, it is you, regular list. Let me put it this way. Only expert listeners who have it like engineering ears are going to be able to hear the guitar part have some appreciation for it. but the average listener maybe that doesn't have a lot of experience would not get any sense of the solo and to me it's important that ryan's solo uh, it was so moving and touching to me and, and such a uh, on the spot kind of thing in the studio i, I want to give it the respect it deserves and make sure it's heard before i release it this is the thing that's delayed the release of the album frankly because i would have released it a long time ago if i could have gotten it done so um that's a long explanation, but so in other words, what do you think? Are you okay with if I release the the Inside the Sound EP for our listeners, our wonderful, patient, patient, ha, uh, passionate and patient, uh, beautiful listeners? I'm willing to do it minus the My Addiction song, and I will uh, with the agreement that I will release that song as soon as it is listenable for the average. Well, listener. the uh, the polished uh, mastered version of Inside the Sound is fine with me. No, I'm going to release both. No, no, uh, the the way, hang on, Inside the Sound has never been mastered. That song is completely raw. It's oh, not, well, not. the way it is, it sounds, I mean, it's fine. It sounds fantastic, I know. Yeah. Let it, <laughs> it sounds amazing. Um, but no, do you see what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm just saying that, and, and you know what, if you want, I can, remember how you suggested the A and B? 
I could go ahead and release the the smaller, the, basically the the shorter EP. That's the three songs that are tech quote mastered, right? Which is called uh, um, Behind the Lines, <clears throat> and Turn and Death. Those three got oh, mastered. Man, that's the one we got to talk about next week. Which one? Turn. Oh, Turn is going to happen. I yeah. forgot about that. Discuss that one at length. Turn's a special one too. All right, um, but there's there is one song from the EP that I'm the most excited about doing it behind the scenes on. You know, it's what we're doing here. The um, I won't tell you, but when we when we are ready to record that podcast, I'm going to have you you guess and see which is the song I'm thinking of right now, which is uh, the one I'm most excited to kind of like reveal the the behind what happened behind it. I don't know. We'll see. Don't guess okay. it now. I just want you to think it in your head and take a note or something. Okay. All right? See if you can guess. Just All for right. a fun game, just to see. All right. Um, so I will release the EP. Oh, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the song My Addiction out of that, uh, you know, the little homework I assigned, because specifically because, as I explained in, at length, why I couldn't include it, it's, it has to do with the way the song is. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to release it in my heart. I just physically can't. But the rest of the songs, I have one in my mind. And all right, listeners, can you guess? All right. So um, that's a fun thing to do. I'm excited about releasing old music, dude. I'm excited about releasing an early cut of Guitar Crime. You guys, our listeners are going to be the first people in the whole wide world of the millions that will get to hear Guitar Crime. Um, right. But you get to hear it first. You get to hear it raw. You get to hear it even before Ryan is going to play on it. But I hope they'll appreciate your influence. And I, I, It's weird that I felt I needed two hours to introduce Guitar Crime to the world. So that even though your hands are on the record, people know that your heart, um, you know, you've been invested 13 years in this song. And I need people to understand um, what it's like to find your partner and what it's, what it's like to find your uh, partner in crime. So this song's for you, Ryan. Because you're basically me, man. You're, you're another musician, man. Come on. I don't know. I didn't write it for you, but I uh, it's dedicated to Mr. Johnny Cash, man. But... <laughs> It's really just everybody that matters to me in my life. I wrote this song for anyone that might care about me at all. It's just uh, I love I love what we're doing, brother. Together, we're we're doing big things. Well, and you know, everyone, uh, all of our listeners are going to get you know take part in in what it's like to start from scratch and build a song up to you know the moment when you release it. It's all polished and and pretty. So. Right, because the only way you're going to hear Guitar Crime right now is underground on the podcast channel. Uh, it will be easily listenable there. But when when all the gang arrives, because guess, guess what, folks? We have special guests right? um, that are going to actually be featured on Guitar Crime. So we have other musicians coming, uh, two at least, that are already like on the books. They have scheduled the time. To join us, and you know, our schedule is filling up rather quickly, which I think you'll agree after you hear the early cut. So, if you want to get in on this action, John Papa, <laughs> sorry, um, I'm just saying, if you want to get in, John, you need to, you know, you gotta DM me, bro. Um, so, just you know, give us a holler, and uh, thank you for joining us uh, inside the sound here together. We're just so grateful to have you here. Thank you for the facilities of your ears, folks, because uh, that's where you can find us uh, in between them, uh, in the back of your head, running around, you know, just kind of being silly. Um, 
Ryan, you got anything else you want to add, man? I think I'm, I think I'm on fire. I think I'm, uh, I've swung back around into my more lucid state. <laughs> I, do have, I do have something. Go ahead. You, you take it away. I'm done. <laughs> Hashtag love yourself. <laughs> Why? I heart mirrors. Hashtag shred is not dead. Hashtag Ibanez. Hashtag RVA. That is not why I said it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ryan. Let's. That's great. Wonderful. Let's close it out. Uh, let's. I wish. I need a song. Give me a song. You're gonna. Cl- well, you're gonna close it out with. Uh, well, the inside the sound is always gonna be there. Of. Yeah, I'm always gonna put Surprise. the polished inside the sound. Surprise up. me. Surprise me. Huh? Let's see if the phone works. Hold on. Is it going to work? Give me something good here. Huh? Give me something good here. You know. I don't... Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. It's happened. The one that I wanted to do in the moment is not available on this device. And I don't have the brain <laughs> to... <laughs> so here. Let me just go back to my own music instead. And here, ooh, ooh, I know. Um, Technical difficulties here. No, no, I just, I had an idea, and here, I'll throw out a couple of examples, and then you get to pick, Ryan, which one you want to hear. We get to go into deep cuts for MJ, all right? I have got music written, so I've got riffs written that I've never really played for folks. I've got... um, so do you want to hear like a new idea that we haven't released that, that would could be completely uh, like unheard? Or do you, I have like old songs, for example. Why don't you put, why don't you play your little two minute thing that end this here that you put up? Because it's not available on this device, which is, that's the song I had in mind. Oh, uh, wow. Well, it's on the channel though. So anyone that wants to hear it, it's yeah, called uh, Find Yourself, Find Relief. Is that the one you mean? I thought you were going to play uh, Ocean Waves or whatever that song was. Ocean Waves. You're talking about deep cuts. I like that one, dude. Let's do that one. Kind of a departure from what we normally write. Yeah. Uh, you got solid. I don't even want to give you a different choice. That we're just, Ah, you have great taste. This is a good one. You've gone, you've hit your face Where do 
I love that solo. It's just that's why I recorded the song with your solo. Again. Mine too. Real. Was so well placed. All this distance in our lives. I can find, I can try, I can find, find you there. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> that was fun. Really, dude, good pick. All right, I'll leave the end for the folks that actually want to hear the quiet phone chirping at me. Hold on. Stop. Stop it. Okay. Thank you. All right, folks, that's it. I'm done. MJ's done. I do not have brain power left. You've sapped every last bit of energy that I had today because I had a lot of it, and, and I had some left over, but I'm done, man. I'm so done. Uh, hashtag quit trying to embarrass me. Hashtag your punk face. Hashtag I always knew you'd <laughs> Ah, you always get me. All right, ma'am. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, thank you for, again, joining us inside the sound. And we'll see you soon. Bye.